Welcome to Old School, Jank Huger, Ben Manquitz, Alonzo Bowden with you guys tonight. So as always, brought to you by shoptyt.com, where you can get the world's best jacket. I love this. And when we had shirts that I thought were the most comfortable in the world, I would tell you about them. I think this is the most comfortable jacket in the world. You're not gonna be able to see it here. Here. I don't know why I even try. Is that black? How did you see a jacket? You've got there? Yeah, it's great. I like how it twists. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I have a, a BS claim about it. So here I'll tell you a fun little thing and it's good because it, it it'll instantly get us to not talk about politics cuz I don't I don't want to start I, the Democrats oh they're the worst. Okay, so no 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 politics. Okay, so um in, in I found out something that it was equally infuriating. Uh, Alex Jones apparently made $165 million from his shop in three years, just three years. Um, And I think he made $100 million in one year from the stuff that he sells. So how does he do that? One, I'm stunned by it. I, I literally cannot believe it. It's such a giant, unbelievable and I mean that very literally, unbelievable amount of money. And we're not, by the way, we're not taking his word for it. If Alex Jones said it, it would mean absolutely nothing. Uh, apparently, it was revealed in some uh, documents uh, in his court cases. And um, and guys, what Alex Jones does is he says, if you don't take these, you're going to die. <laughs> so he says, oh, the you know the frogs are gay and if you don't take my protein shake that's manly, you're gonna be gay too. I'm making up these specific examples, but probably not by much. And hey, you know, you shouldn't take the vaccine, but you should take colloidal silver. That's the thing that literally turns you blue. There's guys walking around that look like Smurfs. I'm not kidding, we did it on the show. I saw one of those guys, yeah, I saw one at the grocery store. I didn't know what it was, but the clerk at the the register, Told me what it was, and yeah, that's yeah. There are blue people walking around. That's insane. <laughs> well, look, hey, hey, Alonzo, don't be racist against them. Um, <laughs> and any old blue just won't do. Uh, so, so he says, if you take this, you're it's going to save your life, and no, and nothing else will. Nothing else will. So his audience has become Smurfs, and uh, so we have a problem that we can't. Say anything that isn't true. <laughs> That's such a big problem for us. Um, so, so I feel great about telling you. No, that jacket is like minor miracle. I, I don't know how it does it, but it. No matter what the temperature is, when I go out in that jacket, I feel great. So that's my opinion. <laughs> but trust me, you won't die if you don't buy it. Okay. Well, I, I just want to, Jeng. You know, you could also just. I don't really know a lot about business, but why don't you try charging people like $265,000 for each jacket? (laughs) Yeah, but by the way, that's a different business model. That's not Alex Jones' business model. That's Kanye West's business model, Hmm. right? (laughs) So here, I got a regular old white shirt. I'm charging $250 for it, (laughs) because why not, right? Wasn't there uh, like Oral Roberts or one of those evangelical preachers who said, if you don't send money, I'm gonna die? Yeah, like sure. I'm gonna go <laughs> see God, and they and they sent him a ton of money, right? Yeah, no, no, yeah, that, that, there's a who was the guy with the plane? Who did the plane? Yeah, there was a guy yeah, who Oakland, needed, the but plane. there's a lot of guys with planes. Yeah, yeah a lot but of one guys. guy he needed a new G5. 
Yeah, that was Coleman, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, that Needed was a uh, new G5. So yeah, Jank, you're you're really listen, Jank. If you're gonna run a cult, you got to step up your game. All right? <laughs> I know. I got I got a super weak cult game. <laughs> Boy. Uh, so and by the way, that the that televangelist shtick. That's a that's been a grift that's been given for a long time. That's not new. Yeah, Oral Roberts is super old school. He did Jimmy Swagger, Jimmy Baker. Yeah, it's just it's really Jimmy. It's it's uh, I mean, the uh, one party figured out how to do it, right? I mean, it's it's amazing that it took this long because the notion that somehow we're as a country any less thoughtful, any dumber, not as smart as we were 50s. It's ridiculous, right? I don't I don't think we're dumber. In fact, we're probably in many ways smarter, right? I mean, the, the information is, is more accessible. But we've been this gullible for a very long time. And one entire political party figured out, took them a little bit because they made a little progress, little inroads here and there. Uh, and now on a, on, a, on a wide scale, they have figured out that grift. Yeah. And it's well, worked. Look, I'm gonna but over, it, worked, it, it worked, it's worked for over 100 years. 200 yeah. Years. I'm gonna over extrapolate a little bit here. It's, but, but basically, there's books written about this, so you can see the actual specifics of it if you wanted to go in that direction. But basically, Chamber of Commerce in the 1970s decided. Who are the most gullible people in the country? Because we need tax cuts and deregulation. Okay. And they thought people who don't believe in logic are probably our best target. And so they targeted the right wing who takes things on faith without questioning who it is that they should have faith in. And and so I mean, you want to talk about a racket? That isn't a hundred million dollar racket. That's a multi-trillion dollar racket. And well, they the religion, that. the religion thing has always worked. The funny thing about them saying that, you know, if you don't send money, I'm going to see Jesus. Jesus has no interest in meeting these guys. Hey, Jesus don't want to meet these guys. Jesus is like, nah, you'll be going somewhere else. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you believe in that kind of stuff, good news. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll enjoy their time here. But by the way, even if they weren't grifters, um, Jesus said it is uh, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. So by the very fact that they have become extremely wealthy, they'll fly those private jets straight into hell. That, that, that <laughs> I don't believe it, but if you believe it, that that's definitely what's going to happen. That line's open to interpretation, Jacob. Well, maybe back then it was camels could pass through the eye of a needle really easily. You don't know. They had some really big needles. It's a huge drag. It's not the camel, it's the needle. Needles huge. Yeah. Depends on the needle. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, this is that one is the preacher one is a little bit more bipartisan and multiracial. One of my favorites there is Creflo Dollar. Uh, the dude named himself Dollar. That's right. <laughs> People still bought into it. It's amazing. Well, he he came from the model of Reverend Ike. I don't know if you're familiar with Reverend Ike, but he was like the original 
black pimp preacher up in the Bronx. And Reverend Ike was known for his Rolls Royce collection. And he told he told his parishioners or followers or whatever that God wants him in this car. He needs another Rolls Royce. And and it was a straight hustle, but it worked. And and I think Reverend Ike was the he was the first one I remember, but long before Creflo Dollar, like these guys learned the grift from him. I just, you know, if I were a, a, a preacher or anybody whose job it was, front facing job it was to sort of uplift the community around me, whatever that community is, I couldn't be, I mean, I would like, there's a number that I would top out on for the car. Like I would think, am I allowed to have a Lexus? Probably, but maybe not the nicest Lexus. It's got to look like a regular car. And so, I, the notion that you could talk me into getting a Rolls Royce, it's inconceivable. But like, I can't drive around with a Rolls Royce. And Reverend Ike has a Rolls Royce collection. Like, he got past the first Rolls Royce, <laughs> right? right? But and by then, the way, it's not like yeah. Reverend Ike didn't read the Bible. So the preachers are ironically the least religious people there are, right? Because they know rich people can't get into heaven if well, they actually those, believe these it. Televangelists, not, not most. Yeah, televangelists. Those not preachers people. live incredibly modestly. Yeah, I, I do one last thing on religion, and and then we'll move on. That, that uh, because we just randomly we'll move on here. to politics, where we can all agree. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to talk about uh, Netflix shows, and we'll see if we can agree there or not. Um, so, um, I, I'll give credit to the mythology of Jesus. So, I, I obviously don't believe everybody knows that, right? I believe all the religions uh, are mythology, and. Um, and so I'm equal opportunity on that. Um, and but I'll give credit to the Jesus myth because that is the one myth where the the founder, the uh, the head of it, uh, the prophet doesn't come out and say, "Well, I talked to God, and good news, it turns out uh, I should be at the very top." Uh, you know, and he washed the feet of the needy, etc. He wound up getting executed. Uh, he didn't have altogether a very pleasant life, right? Um, uh, whereas Muhammad, uh, you know, um, what is it, John Smith, uh, Joe, Joe Smith, Joe, Joe Smith, Smith, right? Um, et cetera. Almost every religious leader says, "Talk to God." In an amazing coincidence, it turns out he wants me to be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 has been an amazing coincidence throughout history. Um, and what's amazing, of course, is that. Somebody says that, and people believe them. You have the opportunity. You could be running a cult, but you just you with your honesty and your reading. Your yeah. <laughs> well, you, you're right. You know, I lost the whole thing in reading. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cult leaders they don't spend too much time reading and retaining. The uh, here's why you can't be a cult leader. Uh, uh, well, one, you make people too mad, right? <laughs> Cult leaders got to bring people into the fold, um, but you would. Uh, so today I ordered. Uh, I was feeling down today, and when I'm feeling down, I order poorly for lunch, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, that's good. That's I, actually I, a good topic. What do you do when you're feeling down? Uh, yeah, so I'm afraid I, to I, answer, but keep going. <laughs> I, I went. Uh, I just, you know, it's like I mean, I just sort of. It's been a couple of good, better eating days. I eat poorly, right? I just gotta eat, and so, but I got a cheeseburger and fries. And a chili dog, because I thought, well, what if from a new place, what if the cheeseburger isn't good, right? I want to have a, something to fall back on. Um, I didn't eat it all. I still have the chili dog. So, um, but I get it. And uh, I come out 
to uh, uh, agree. This my, oh, by the way, I did the thing at Postmates where you can have them stop at 7-Eleven on the way and they got two Gatorades. I live large, I live a, I live the life of a, anyway, so he guy shows up and then I come out, I meet the guy who brought the Gatorade and he goes, so there he goes, hey, I know you, right? And I think there's gonna be this uh, classic movie reference. He goes, hey, Ben Mancuso, TYT. I was like, yeah. <laughs> ben Mancuso, FBI. <laughs> totally. Uh, I guess right. <laughs> ben Mancuso. Uh, but that's right. You haven't penetrated enough. They can't even, they don't even have your henchman's name right. So, like, uh, okay, you're not quite there yet. But I liked Ben Mancuso. Well, I was, uh, yeah. I was in Indy for New Year's and I did get a TYT recognition. But the guy was like, you're, you're on T. He didn't try the name. He just <laughs> knew I was on TYT. So we'll take that as a, as a recognition. That's good. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. But none of this is going to help if we keep being stupidly honest. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> a bunch of suckers. <laughs> anyway, the, and what kind of a cult is where the leaders are the suckers? <laughs> We're just getting it all wrong. Yeah. We watched this thing. And I call the Democrats incompetent. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> if you want the jacket, shoptyt.com. Can we see the jacket one more time? Yeah. Here, I'll sell it just as convincingly as last time. Oh my God, that's really great. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. I don't know. <laughs> could they? Maybe they could get this shirt with it. <laughs> we don't sell that. Don't <laughs> lie to the good people. <laughs> as far as I know, no flannel shirts at shoptyt.com. All right, uh, look, let's just dive into Netflix. I there's a bunch of things we can talk about, but uh, Emily in Paris is it acceptable for a man to watch it? I've never seen it. I love it's Lily Collins, right? She's the I don't star. know their names. I think she's the star of it. I think okay. uh, she's and delightful. I, whoever she is, I don't know her was, name. She was in uh, she was in Mank. She played the uh, secretary in Mank. Oh uh, Gary yeah, could be, could be. Uh, I probably yeah. I think so. I continue to get stuff wrong. I think she's Phil Collins's daughter. Huh. That's the that's the end of my. 83% sure information on that. I've never seen it. I've never seen an episode, but yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. If if I could could watch and get excited at various times in my life with different women in my life to watch Sex in the City uh, on uh, a Sunday night, then uh, then uh, uh, unquestionably you can watch uh, Emily in Paris. You can watch anything. Yeah, yeah it's not my thing, but um, yeah. but a guy could watch it. Also. You end up watching these things on Netflix just based on you run out of things to watch. <laughs> right. you know? No, you don't run out of things to watch. You will run out of the 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 intestinal fortitude to find something right, to watch. Right. You, That's you right. just go with the top ten Fine. and it pops Fine. up and you're right. like, okay, now you're two episodes in and you're like, okay, I gotta watch it and I see gotta, I don't how it turns it. Right. out. I mean, again, not my thing, but uh but I absolutely understand how you can get caught up in it, and and some of these things are good, right? The the one, the Queen's Gambit, right? Uh, yeah. Too much was chess. one that yeah. most most guys, you know, you say, oh, it's a, it's a series about a woman playing chess, you know, click. But if you watch it, it only took one episode to be like, wow, this is really a good show. So I, I yeah, I think Emily in Paris again, not my not my <laughs> cup of tea, but. Okay to watch. Emily yeah. in Paris reminds me that when the Golden Globes had better problems than they have now, because I think Emily in Paris got nominated for like best 
comedy and it outraged people because I guess serious critics don't think it's very good. While everyone loves Lily Collins, it seems to be she's sort of universally well, adored. And now, and like that seems like just so quaint that that was the Golden Globes problem. Wasn't there a ward problem? Like they invited a bunch of critics to That's Paris. That's right. They invited people to and Paris. And gave them this great trip in Paris That's to right. watch the That's show. Right. That's and what then they came back and nominated it. And That's the other right. shows were like, wait a minute, you can't do that. It's great. We, can we have people who have information on all the time, Jack? It's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. They 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 obviously sold out and they brought they took critics to Paris to do interviews that obviously you could have done anywhere in the world. But they brought the critics to Paris and it worked. It worked. And 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 Lily Collins is lovely. But and she is Phil Collins' daughter. Okay. And uh I'm now super pissed that I'm not a critic because that would have been awesome. Uh and I would have easily voted for it uh in that category. Uh, I would say sight unseen, but I have seen it, which is going to get, which I'm going to get to in a second. Tech Stan says, "No, you're all grown ass men. You should not watch Emily in Paris." Uh, so, Tech Stan, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, first of all, it's not theoretical for me. I I do that drug. Uh, so uh, I watched first season of Emily in Paris, and right now I'm in the middle of watching the second season with my wife, uh, and I find it lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah so. These things, so they're designed in an amazing way. So what winds up happening, so in the old days, we're just gonna get into a needless discussion of media, but it's but it's kind of interesting. So maybe not needless. Anyways, in the in the old days, they designed TV shows for advertisers because that's where their revenue came from. Now for the subscription services like Netflix, there are no advertisers. They get all of their revenue from you guys, from actual human beings. So now the reason why the shows are fantastic, and I'm not talking about Emily in Paris, I'm talking about other brilliant shows on Netflix, HBO, etc. It's because they're designing the shows for you guys, which by the way, has largely always been the case for HBO. And that's why HBO always had the best shows. And so, but what now when, what they've done is, and I don't know to what degree they've done this in a precisely scientific way, but at a bare minimum, smart producers have figured out, you know what? This human monkey is not that hard to figure out. There's certain things that it likes, right? It likes sex, it likes violence, it likes drama, it likes these different things, right? So why don't we, and by the way, different demographics like different things. So why don't we design shows that are for certain demographics and hits every one of the things that they love. And that is exactly what Emily in Paris is for women. And so I watch it like both because it's kind of a fun show, but also because if almost from an anthropological perspective, because like every scene has something that a big chunk of, of women love. So. It's just amazing to behold. So I believe Netflix now has 214 million subscribers. The last story I read. What do they pay a month? Is it 16.99 or is it less? I think uh, it's honestly I lost track. I they they I rely on people like me to lose track. All right, so let's go with 13.99. 13.99 a month. So they make three billion dollars a month. That's their revenue a month. And they lose money. <laughs> like it's 
unbelievable. It's three, and I'm not, I'm not inflating nothing. It's actually two point nine at that number, assuming we're correct. And I think, I think Alonzo, well, I'm just going to prove Alonzo apparently right about everything. Um, so it's three billion, but it's thirty six billion just in revenue. Right, just that's what they take in, right? They, but they spend so much money on the show, and Jack, and what they must spend to make sure that everywhere around the world, that when you go to Netflix, that picture is perfect every single time, right? Those costs are, but it's still that said, thirty six billion from the subscribers a year. Well, you also have they give out huge contracts, huge, huge. They pay right? the talent, and they, they they miss as much as they hit. Oh, you know what no, I mean? they miss like, way more than they hit. They spend right? like yeah. some of these films that they have on, like they had one recently. Who was in it? It was The Rock, and there were like three or four, like Ryan Ryan stars. Reynolds, right? Yeah, the Red Notice, something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. You know how bad that movie had to be to not be in theaters. Like with that cast, the fact that it was not a theatrical release tells you, oh, this must be garbage, right? Because because the minute you get The Rock. He's what 20, 25 million, and then you have a few other stars in it, and uh, they, and they. I think that's right, and because well, I don't, but although I think that they developed their own thing, so I don't know that it got passed on by other people necessarily, and they probably came in with a number that was so good that the. That that producers just think yeah, because clearly that was just an effort to bring together these enormously likable people, right? I mean, nobody's more likable on screen than The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, like. Those guys are your friends. You just like them instantly in everything they do. What they also do, Alonzo, is they don't like so many of the people who now are the great stars of the 70s and 80s. You know, Mel Brooks, Warren Beatty, so many of these guys made their made their millions, their hundreds of millions on the back end, right, of these movies. Taking a little less up front and then they own a piece. Netflix doesn't have any of that. So they just pay these giant, you know, like here, we're not, you're not going to get a dollar on the back end. So here's $35 million on the front end just to come in and do it. They want to dominate the market. I had an interesting experience with Netflix. I was in Montreal just for laughs doing a comedy festival, right? Biggest comedy festival in the world. And Netflix came in and they were recording a bunch of half hour specials from comedians all around the world. The idea was we're gonna have different specials for different parts of the world. So so in the Arab world, we'll have Arab comics. In in Europe, we may have French or whatever, you know. But they're recording them all at Montreal and it's huge. They're branded everywhere. And I was doing a show for Amazon, uh, which was about the new faces of comedy, the six new comics that they followed from their audition to Montreal, right? To to their first shot at the big time. And I was talking with the Amazon people and they were said, you know, we were talking about Netflix and all the branding and they said, "Well, we're just testing this out. If we like comedy, we can buy Netflix." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. You're Amazon." Like like <laughs> with as much money as Netflix has, Amazon's like, "Well, yeah, if we wanted to, we just buy them." We don't <laughs> right. Jesus. So I, you know, that's a great story, Alonzo, because <laughs> I hadn't even considered that, and I guess they could, couldn't they? Yeah, they could. They could. They're like, yeah. If we, they were like, we're testing this comedy, like they were doing some one-hour comedy specials and this and that, because Amazon never really got into the stand-up comedy market. But they were like, yeah, if we like it, we could just buy Netflix. And it's like, wow. And and it was said so casually that it was like, oh yeah, that's right. You're Amazon. Like you can buy anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I mean, right. look, that's I don't want to get into a serious political conversation, but that that does open up a can of worms. What happens in a world where certain companies and certain people can literally buy anything? Um, and that's a it's kind of a scary place to be. But but back to Fun Emily in Paris. Uh, the reviews from our audience have begun to come in. Um, <laughs> first, uh, Jade Bite, you just uh, Give me joined. One second, I'm listening. Okay, Jade Bite, you just uh, became a member by hitting. Excuse me, I'm all choked up over it by hitting the join button below on YouTube. So if you do that uh, when we're uh, live, I'll try to give you a shout out and thank you, Jade. Uh, so OJAM wrote in in the member section, it's a fun show, LOL. As a normal American guy, I feel like I shouldn't be enjoying it. But as a human who is trying to be a better man, I'm okay admitting I like, <laughs> okay? OJAM, I'm right there with you, right there with you. Uh, Trista on the other hand says, Jank, Emily in Paris is Horrible. Hmm. Uh, I know that she pronounced it that way because she put it all in caps and gave me four exclamation points on that. Okay. And then she said the shots of Paris and the fashion is amazing. The script, not so much. Uh, we have another viewer who wrote in. Uh, her name is Anna Kasparian, and she said that she has instantly lost all respect for me. Oh, she um, lost respect for you some time ago. That's not fair. <laughs> Come on. Well, hard to work with me and not lose respect for me, yeah, right? Ben, right? You would know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, man, I'm the world's worst cult leader. Uh, <laughs> you really are. Your 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 right hand, your right hand has no respect for you. What kind of cult is that? <laughs> <laughs> perhaps it's not one, <laughs> but just perhaps. Um, so, uh, but she said the writing is horrible as well. Look, but guys, I kind of like that it's campy. I like I'm not watching it because I think it's succession. I'm not watching it because I think it's the wire, right? I'm watching it because it's actually the new sequel to Sex in the City. Sure. And by the way, both created by Darren Starr. So the Oh, see, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, I knew there was something. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. Because <laughs> Sex in the City sequel, uh, let's talk about something else or whatever it's called now. Um, speaking of which, whatever the awful name is. Um, so and just like that. Oh, and just like that, right? It's I couldn't. I watched two episodes because I was tied down, and but on the third one, I broke free. I was like, no, I can't, I can't watch this anymore. It's all, it's terrible. It's terrible, right? On the other hand, Emily in Paris is campy and fun. Uh, I like the shots of Paris. I like the stereotypes. They deeply amuse me. Like people, it, French. Are upset about Emily in Paris. They're like, that's not really how Paris is. To which I say, of course, everything in the show is an American's version of Paris, right? <laughs> There's the tall, uh, straight guy who's constantly horny, right? Uh, There's like a stereotypical gay why, guy. Why does the why does he have to why does he have to be tall? <laughs> because I swear to God, it's from the cartoons. In the old days, we used to, there was cartoons of like tall, skinny French guys in berets, and they were always horny. <laughs> okay, I don't know, like those are stereotypes, and so they had to put that stereotype. Uh, Pepe Le Pew in. was not that tall. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a stereotype. But it I'm is, not, yeah. trust me, <laughs> we're gonna find it. We're gonna find it. Okay. Now, by the way, it's two different stereotypes that I combine. If it's in a cartoon, they probably didn't make him horny. You don't uh, think? But yeah. 
<laughs> oh no, Pepe Le Pew was pretty rapey. They had to pull him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He got they uh, whoever it was, is it Warner Brothers or whatever it was that mm-hmm. they woke up and realized this guy's constantly trying to sexually assault this poor cat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about Pepe Le Pew. I don't think I've ever seen any Pepe Le Pew uh, cartoon or anything. I don't even really know who he is or what yeah. his origin story is. Yeah. So I used to I used to watch Pepe Le Pew when I was a kid. Oh, I, I, so this was just like a Saturday morning cartoon when we were kids. Yeah, it, yeah. it was like Hanna Barbera. Uh, Barbera no, I, I never watched. I just watched uh, in the news. I skipped the cartoons. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely watched it. And um, and he, if you could be racist against the French, then that was the most racist show we've ever done. I see. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, they. I mean, they did that with every stereotype, and he was the. The overly romantic skunk who was always mixing oh, up a cat for being another skunk. Like that was the problem, right? It was always a cat, and he thought it was a skunk. But uh, but you yeah. know they had all those stereotypes, right? They had the the um, Mexican mouse. What was his name? Speedy Gonzalez. That's Speedy right. Speedy Gonzalez, right? That was you know. I'm more familiar with his work back then. Yeah. Hanna Barbera even had them when they raced around the world, they would have the tiger dress up in a fez and do like, right. like whatever little stereotype they had about Turks. It was like there, it was just a stereotype factory. It was and Pepe Le Pew. I mean, you want to talk about bad writing? Nearly every episode, a black cat would spill white paint on their back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every one of them, and then he would think it was a skunk, and then he'd try to rape her. <laughs> well, it sounds great. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're laughing because it's so absurd. But that that was pretty much it. Uh, and I, I guarantee you, right now, right wingers are going, "Oh, look at this cancel culture, man!" All right, he was just overly aggressive, and yes, he, you know, got a. I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> anyway. So every, so she's wall to wall male suitors, right? Like every episode is filled with three guys who come up to her and who, uh, you know, want to be with her. But they're not just, this is my favorite part of it. They're not just guys. Every one of them is the best looking guy you've ever seen in your life. That's like, uh, that's <laughs> like that. I didn't see the other, uh, the Netflix show, the Bridgerton. Yeah. But everybody, everybody in Bridgerton was beautiful. Right, that yeah. was the thing, right? Well, in Bridgerton, it was more specific. It was that one lead actor, the the black guy who was considered like gorgeous, right? And girls were going nuts for him, right? And and so in uh, in Emily in Paris, they spread it out a little bit. They got gorgeous white guys, gorgeous black that guys. Is, <laughs> they got older guys, younger guys. That's American television. American television. Yeah. Everyone looks too good. I used to joke that if I had high school teachers that looked like the women teaching high school on TV, I'd still be in high school. <laughs> they were just ridiculously hot. And and I joke with a friend, a friend of mine, she's a big fan of Chicago PD. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. No, but I've seen the promo and I model exact same thing. Models doing police work. These are the most yeah. beautiful police. Again, you would just <laughs> You'd be like, can we go in the room where I talk to you again? I'll confess to whatever. I mean, <laughs> but that's always American TV, right? And that's where they ruin when they 
when they take a British show and they, the British version has the best actors possible in the roles and then they make it an American show and they put in the best looking people and then you lose the show. Sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. But yeah, that is, that's American TV, everyone is beautiful in any job, in any job you, you have somebody like, no, they couldn't really look that good, could they? Wouldn't If you looked that good and you were a cop in Chicago, you'd go to Hollywood and become an actor. No, all you those spy all those spy shows now that are whatever, <laughs> they're, they're always, yeah, everybody looks like they're in a, like a Benetton ad. I mean, they're just beautiful and they're exactly the right racial mix and the bone structure is just Perfect, and like half of them are unidentifiable of any race. Like they're just this, you know. It's like they feel like they found the safest cast ever, and they're all, oh my god, the men are they're spect like, and we're supposed to believe that these are like grizzled special ops veterans. Yeah, or right? or F, there's one of these these shows where what they're they're FBI trainees, right? But they're all just this fantastic looking group of young people who just decided. Yeah, I'm gonna join the FBI. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know, you're right. And and they don't. That problem doesn't exist. As look in Europe, they have we have they have good looking people in Europe on television. There's no question, right? But there is the is a little something that makes those actors there feel like they might actually walk among us. That is not the case uh, in American shows. Yeah, I mean, if they were doing the uh, story of Bernie Sanders, they'd have Chris Evans playing. Right. <laughs> right. Like, Wait. What, was that, what was that wonderful uh, Matt LeBlanc show? Um, extras. Extras. Yeah. I mean that, which which that which is exactly Alonzo's concept of a great British show comes to the United States and casts Matt LeBlanc, and it was supposed to be like the head of the show was like he'd run a a a, a tough old school British school for boys. And here they, they brought it to the United States and they hired Matt LeBlanc, who's so great looking, and they made him a hockey coach. <laughs> you know, and like the, everything go, and it's so good. And the British writers are there trying to save their concept. It was that was a good show. That was a quality show, right? That was the British? That wasn't uh, the Ricky Gervais. Yes, that was a Ricky. Gervais no, Ricky show. Gervais is extras. That's right. That's yeah. what got me confused. It was Ricky a Gervais, Ricky Gervais that, show. A Matt LeBlanc, episodes. Matt LeBlanc's was called episodes, and by the way, that's what what I'm describing is the is episodes. Oh. Uh, Ricky Gervais was that was just a British show uh, about extras, and that was also, of course, spectacular. Now almost everything anybody says is controversial, but I I'm going to say that I don't think I've ever watched anything of Ricky Gervais that wasn't really good to excellent. Yeah, he's he's a great. Writer, creator of shows, yeah, he does a good job. Yeah, you know that uh, that that uh, the show, the death show that he has now, the grief show that he has now, it's excellent. Yeah, excellent. but you got, you guys would both uh, dig uh, episodes. It's been off the air for years, but there's like five. Seasons. I remember that. Yeah. It, wasn't it on Showtime or something? It was on Showtime. That's right. Yeah, was, I saw it. On Showtime. I saw an episode of two or two of episodes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but back so as you're trying to find things now. Uh, the one upside, although it's not anywhere near as good, is th the thing that I missed the most about Blockbuster was walking around the store. Um, get, getting the movie wasn't nearly as good as going to a Blockbuster and doing the whole thing, right? Go walk the complete 
you know, semicircle of 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 the uh, movies, the new releases, and some of the popular ones right underneath the new releases. And God, that was so much fun. And streaming services kind of ruined that for a while um, because it's just not great at scrolling around and stuff. But I think they're getting better at it. Uh, so yeah, you, but- you and I. This is why, again, why you're, this is a theme. This is why you're a bad cult leader. That experience you're describing at Blockbuster was terrible for 98 percent of people. Like you might be excited about it, but then you'd get there and it was overwhelming and agonizing. And whoever you were with inevitably was going to get mad at you. That's just a guarantee. At some point, just here's the here's the words that gets it. Just pick something, right? Every single time I was blockbuster, at some point, somebody I care about said, "Just pick something." Uh, uh, I loved every part of it. Yeah, of course you did. That's right. I, I loved the okay, walking around, well, the browsing, the browse. We don't get to browse anymore. And then the the politics of the debates about what you should have. Me asking the blockbuster manager if they had porn. I mean, I, I miss every part of it. More uh, useless trivia. Do you know Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix for like fifty million dollars and passed on it? That I don't think that's useless. Uh, I think that I heard that a long time ago and then completely forgot until you just said it. And that might be the single worst business decision I have ever heard. There, yeah, there no. are worse. There was an article I read. If I find the article, I'll send it to you. But it. it showed all of these big corporations and why they went bankrupt, like the decision that they made that blew it for the entire company. But a friend of mine told me something about Netflix that I never thought of, but it's a great idea. He said he shares his Netflix subscription with other people so that the algorithm will recommend a much wider choice of movies cuz if you if you're the mm. only one the algorithm just locks into what you like he said but if you have four different people using the subscription then the algorithm has to show no, you, you all know, of I, their you're choice. 100% i didn't even realize it i've done that with two different things maybe netflix certainly when i had a hulu subscription i get cable through hulu now but i used for that and i and one other maybe hbo max and it, and it totally works it was like for our like nanny and then she gave it to her brothers so there were these significantly younger people like totally different stuff and all this stuff would pop up and you'd think, oh, that's irritating. But no, I got it. I don't need them to recommend the stuff that I know, right? I know I find the stuff I like. That's good. I like that. I should do that more. That's a great idea. Yeah, when uh, Pro and my dad were using my computer more, uh, it really messed up the YouTube algorithm. And they're like, so you like... Pokemon and Turkish news. <laughs> so, and, and it would recommend different things related to that. My parents love YouTube now because they're watching endless Turkish TV shows on YouTube. Welcome to the new world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so I do miss that, but I think they're getting a little bit better. Yeah. When I go to my wife's Netflix account, it's completely different than mine. The only overlap is Emily in Paris. <laughs> That's it. I just wanted to make a note of something that Ben said, but I'll do it in the context of these comments that that came in. Max Payne said, "I got my TYT cap and jacket for myself as a gift to me. I love that." ShopTYT.com. Just be anti-racist said, "I see Alonzo made it out of the Arby's alive." Uh, maybe he can stay for the entire old school this time. <laughs> um, 
because <laughs> he got trapped in an Arby's once. Um, uh, cashing out on Twitch said, "What the hell is this? Old school started on time." <laughs> Potentially upset about it. And Bishan said, "Ben is me and my wife's favorite person. Every time my father-in-law watches old movies, he pops up, and we lose our mind. We love you, Ben." Um, which is nice to hear, uh, but a little overdone. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't go that far. But um, but That's Ben, nice, you, you, what's that? It's very nice. It very is. Nice. It is. Um, and it's nice that they uh, care about Alonzo's well-being. Uh, just wrote an earlier uh, saying that it was great to to see him back on old school. Okay, um, you have saved maybe the very worst food for later. Uh, I can't imagine anything that holds worse than a chili dog. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I'm gonna eat it. I, but when I think about whether I'll eat it, I'm thinking take the chili off, put the hot dog back on the stove, heat up the chili, reassemble in a fresh bun that is mine. Maybe, maybe. That's going right in the garbage. There's no way you're gonna do all that. <laughs> By the way, after that lunch, I'm not eating dinner. Like I, my punishment is that I can have tea for dinner for that lunch. Yeah, I was looking for one of the comments. I, I maybe they got taken off, but somebody said like they want to live like Ben, uh, where you got the two Gatorades and all of that stuff. Uh, no one yet has said they want to live like Alonzo, where they are trapped in an. Arby's for the rest of their time. <laughs> well, by the way, so yeah, year 2000, Blockbuster CEO who wrote a book about it. Big meeting there with Netflix co-founder Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings, and that it's then CFO. They met in Dallas. The CEO of Net of Blockbuster didn't even bother to consider the possibility. He felt like it was a a joke that we're going to spend 50 million dollars to buy this Netflix. It's crazy. Ah. And it's so uh, wonderfully ironic that now Blockbuster has become a you know a na national joke. I don't mean it in like haha, rub it into those poor some bitches that are already long gone. I mean like it's a punchline. It's a literal yeah. punchline of a thing that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, there are some great. The only thing what's left is the occasional, and I don't know the one here that does. I, I hope pretty well, but the uh, cinephile, which is in uh, West LA at uh, Santa Monica and Sawtel, um, uh, that is a, a, a great classic video store where you rent DVDs and you find the movies there. Mostly they have them by genre, but mostly what they have is like by director. A hundred different directors, and you go in and you find the movie. I mean, they'll find it for you if you can't. But that's a that's a quality story. And that's what Blockbuster never was, and that's why I don't feel that bad about Blockbuster's demise because it sort of it killed all of those little stores uh, during its you know whatever I guess twenty year heyday, right? I mean, it had a good long run, but uh, and there was just a there was a real sameness to Blockbuster where sort of and that's why I didn't like being there. It felt too bright. It felt like it was for children. It felt like they should again, like it, you know, they were, they were selling so much candy. It felt like a candy place, right? It didn't feel there was nothing, you know, the movies. It, it was nothing that made you go in there and think, man, I want to get a a gritty uh, Gene Hackman neo noir from 1975, right? I mean, it was all, you know, get the latest Nicolas Cage national treasure movie. That's what. Well, what, what I'm hearing now was. is, see, they they were trying to sell movies to a film guy. 
Ben, you're a film guy. You, no. You're not a movie guy. No, no, they, I, I, I'm would, a, I hear you. never like it's never going to work. You're, you're, you were above the blockbuster demographic. They weren't going no. for you, Ben. They were going for me. They were yeah, going I was going to say they were going for me. They were going I, for us. They but weren't Jenk, they, no, they, but they were aiming for Ben. <laughs> but Jenk knows I'm actually right there with you. I, but that said, I want cool movies. These are cool. You, there's no way, by the way, the movie I'm thinking of is Gene Hackman and Night Moves. Both of you guys would watch Night Moves and you'd be like, oh, this is great. <laughs> that said, but I hear you. No, I, yeah. that is how I would be, except I'm not going to watch it to spite you. Right, that I understand. <laughs> Again, not great. Not a great cult move. Right? <laughs> um, okay, so I do want to get to one other thing in the in the free episode here. Um, I've decided that I have another uh, this, like some sayings bother me, and uh, and a classic one is a road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I realized the other day that's bothered me my whole life, um, and and then then. I bothered to figure out why, uh, because uh, a it's not true, um, and b it's irrational, and c no the road to pay uh, hell is paved with bad intentions, and so the road to oh that got screwed up is paved with good intentions, <laughs> right? Like and and then it made me mad that there this is so random, but hey it's old school. That they have that saying, like, I don't even bother trying to do good things, okay? All you're gonna do is wind up in hell, okay? Better go with bad intentions, you get there quicker. Yeah, I mean, I get that. You, I mean, it was designed to be clever, just so you, you know. Can, can I <laughs> right. jump yeah. in on this? Can yeah, I jump on this? Tell you what is so funny about that? Jenk, you get angry at the Democratic Party. There is no bigger group to prove the road to hell being paved with good intentions than the Democratic Party. Like, like that, that is the definition of that saying right there for you. You it's that's yes, true. Yes, that's yes. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake, but yeah, but no, not buying it. Um <laughs> so okay, first of all, I acknowledge that what Alonzo said is clever. Uh, I also acknowledge that it's 10 times more clever than the saying in the first place. Uh, which I acknowledge was trying to be clever, uh, but uh, but no, I mean, in the old days, I thought again, I don't want to get too political, but in the old days, I thought the Democrats had good intentions and bungled it. Uh, I now don't think they have good intentions don't at even all. Don't give them the good intentions anymore. No, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, the 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 road to hell is paved with corporate PAC contributions. <laughs> that is the correct saying. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, they haven't passed voting rights. It's been a year, guys. Don't make me say it. It's been a year. How you can't you can't screw that up that bad? Uh, but, anyways, um, no, I and I've got to watch Rebel Without a Cause because I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of angry at it, and and Ben's going to tell me I shouldn't be, uh, partly because I haven't seen it. Um, Wait, what are but, you angry at? Uh, the movie Rebel Without a Cause. Okay, all right. And the reason for that is, uh, it's part of the uh, corporate agenda. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it's intentionally part of the corporate agenda, but I think accidentally it became one, because basically, the, what in my opinion, corporate media wants you to just be cool, be cool, okay? Don't do anything, 
And because if you don't do anything, the status quo remains and mission accomplished, right? So if you're a rebel with a cause, that's not cool. That's kind of uncool, right? If you're a weirdo, rando rebel without a cause, you're not clueless and a kind of a pain in the ass because you're rebelling and you don't even have a cause for it, then you're cool. Ben, prove me wrong. Go. Well, again, I think it might help to see the film. But since you don't really care about the film, you're really just talking about the title, right? And I don't know whether you know this, but Rebel Without a Cause, not really about media, just so you know. No, 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 no. It's the media. No, of course not. It's the media like doing propaganda. And I'm I'm kidding about it being literal, right? But uh, but the but the but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That one we're taking literally. Just just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right, that, fair enough. Oh, by the way, also part of the mainstream media corporate agenda when they sure. came up with that a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, of course, I see what you mean, but I don't. I, is it being used by the corporate media to uh, to uh, uh, lambast <laughs> and ridicule people with a cause? No, no, it's just, it's just a. The name of the movie is a perfect uh, kind of way of referring to it, but no, it is not part of any corporate agenda. It is a uh, it is a classic film that I don't uh, love. That oh, love good. Sure. You know, by the way, I gotta say we got. I, I mean, it's good. It's got a, it's very valuable. It's important, but I don't uh, I don't really uh, I don't get into it. No, I could tell because I said it, and normally if it's a movie, a classic movie you like. Your dander gets up. You're like, well, hey, well, you gotta watch that, okay? Hey, but when I said Rebel Without a Cause, you're like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, okay, we're out of time. We're gonna do a whole different episode, just like this one, right now, but for the members. So if you're on YouTube, you just hit the join button below. If you're not, tyt.com/slash/join. Uh, and then uh, I'll end on Danny on super chat saying tonight's old school's amazing, having a blast. Well, Danny, we'll see you in the second episode uh, for the members. Mm -hmm.